0: You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. As we go in this morning, you're going to hear a difference between bullies and buddies, and Josh has been just an excellent buddy uh, over these past few weeks to me personally. And Josh, I really appreciate your words of encouragement and, uh, and that for this morning. Thank you. Hey, take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to the Bible book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is right before uh, all the um, poetry in the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, so forth. Just take your Bible, open up about right in the middle somewhere around there. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning and you'd like to borrow one, our Amazing ushers are walking down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hand, just wave at them, and they'd be more than happy to let you borrow one of those things. Now, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 4, and, uh, and, and, and yes, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but don't worry, it goes fast. And, and then chapter 6 through about chapter 7, verse 3, but don't worry, we're not going to hit every verse, so we're not going to be here till like noon. <laughs> So don't worry about that, So, but we're going to look at the, it's a, it's a story, and when you look at a story, you've got to look at the big, big chunks of that. It's a true story of how we can be revived through overcoming obstacles this morning. I also want to encourage you as you're shuffling your papers to take out your worship folder. Inside there, there's another couple of things you're going to hear about. There's an elder nomination thing, you'll hear about that. Uh, this brick deal uh, is something, if God is challenging you with something this morning, and something hits you, or a prayer request, or just something you want to say on that that is a challenge to you, write it on the brick part and then tear it off at the bottom part. You keep that in your Bible and uh, turn that brick in or just put it over there by the brick wall that we're building. And I encourage you to peruse over there and look at some of the things that God's doing in the hearts of people as they listen to the story of Nehemiah. There's also a connection card in there, and that's a way you can... uh, let us know some of the information you'd like us to know. Uh, m- what's most important on here is a prayer request, and you're going to be hearing about that at the announcements at the end. But if you think about a prayer request, you can be uh, want us to pray for about whether it's something you're going through or some friend or whatever. Uh, write that down if it's something of confidential nature. In other words, it only goes to the pastors and the elders, and just check that box there. But finally, we're to the outline. <laughs> Grab and take out that. There's some blanks that are there. Uh, Those answers will be up on the screen as we go through this There's also a little history of Nehemiah on the back of that You want to look at that And as we go through this morning I do mention a lot of other verses verses. And so I want to encourage you to pick up uh, One of the study guides They're in the lobby area back there If you go out these double doors to the left There's a table under the uh, sign that says Community life groups Right there That talks about our life groups And a lot of our life groups go through this study And and they take these questions as a help to that And if you want to know the answers to the fill-in-the-blanks on your uh, outline. are just on the back of that, plus all the extra verses that are da- on here. So you might want to pick up one of the study guides, because um, as many of you are aware, I, I just give out a lot of different verses, because there's so much in the Bible I want you to grasp, and there's some stories in there that we don't have time to go through on a Sunday morning, but you have time to do. Just pull them open, and, and like this morning, I've got a few of those as we go through. But, but the story of Nehemiah is an amazing story. We've been dealing with for the last couple of weeks, and And he hit some obstacles. So this morning, we're going to talk about that because the truth is, in life, difficult circumstances happen. Um, There are obstacles to overcome. Uh, Appliances break down. uh, Our home has dry rot. uh, We get a leaky roof. Or uh, our our cars have flat tires. Anybody ever had a flat tire? Yeah. Um, Anybody ever had like over five flat tires? Anybody had over 20 flat tires? I've had over 40 flat tires in my life, and no joke, I got a, I got a big, giant bolt in, uh, in my tire this past week. And, and it didn't happen in the middle where you can repair it, it happened on the end. And, and unfortunately, I didn't have the, you know, the uh, um, insurance you put on those tires. I, I said, nah, I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I needed that. So if now four new tires later and a brake job and something like $1,300, I now have my car back. <laughs> But difficulties and obstacles happen, and it wasn't just a flat tire, I had to go get it fixed and figure out how I'm going to get home from the tire, it's just a big mess. We have unexpected car repairs, and and all those obstacles at work are very real. A difficult boss, uh, tougher, newer responsibilities, maybe even a layoff or being let go, but also in relationships, and uh, there are all kinds of hassles and obstacles, communication issues and that, that... connection that used to be close but now is not or fights and disagreements and conflict and then there are those people that just seem to have it in for us they intimidate us they say mean things that are untrue and uh, they defraud us and slander and scoff at us and enjoy making us squirm or hurt or in pain and we have a name for them they're called bullies you know actually there's an epidemic of bullying going on not just here But all over the world, at school and businesses and even at church and over the internet and periodicals like Psychology Today and books and journals and newspapers and all over the place, people are speaking about being bullied, telling stories of being intimidated and harassed and tormented and oppressed and persecuted and terrorized by others. Even in church, I was just <clears throat> reading uh, some articles this past week about how uh, church bullies and bullying is on the rise. It's never been as as epidemic proportions as it is right now. People seeking to push others down to get their way. And it's so sad. And it's such the opposite of what Jesus taught. That we are to, how he loves us all the same and he seeks to raise us up to experience that abundant life that he came for us to enjoy as John 10.10 10 says, he says, a thief comes to steal and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. But yes, <clears throat> in this world, we're gonna experience opposition and some at the hand of bullies. And so how do we thrive as followers of Christ in the midst of opposition? Here again, we can learn from Israel. We can learn from Nehemiah's story. Israel had their, 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 uh, Uh, history of being bullied and the reality is as Jesus put it in John 16, 13 in this world we will experience tribulation, we will experience obstacles, we'll face difficulties and some from the hand of bullies and so and feel just like Israel deflated, devalued, dejected, degraded and destroyed yes there always will be opposition to God's people and God's work and if you're a follower of Jesus, there will be difficulty because we have an adversary. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 is very clear that there's a, an enemy who prowls like a roaring lion seeking to, to devour us, uh, stalking us. And so we have to be vigilant. But always know as 1 John 4.4 4 says, greater is he that is in me, Christ in me, when you have become a follower of Christ, than he is in the world. And as Romans 8.37-39 to 39 talk about, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. And this morning as we're going to be encouraged uh, to take courage, that that God is with us. We just sang about that we are a child of God, to get up and to take action, not to earn salvation or righteousness, but to be part of what God is doing and seeing people coming to faith and growing in their faith and, and growing in the Lord and thriving as followers of Christ, even in the midst of obstacles, when obstacles get thrown our way. So let's look at the book of Nehemiah. This is the story of now him facing some difficulties and learn four helps to experiencing revival in overcoming obstacles. So before we get launched into that, just set your books aside and why don't you stand up and pray with me. As we launch into this this study, I hope that you'll be encouraged because I'm glad that you're here. I know God has you here for a reason because somewhere in life, if you're not already facing it, you will face obstacles, Right? Some of you now are facing some big ones. So let's ask God to help us this morning to be challenged from his word. Father, thank you. Thank you for what Nehemiah went through. And Lord, that he uh, and others in scripture, Lord, have taught us, even Jesus himself, that we can go through these difficulties, these struggles, even with bullies, and yet, Lord, be revived while these are happening. So God, I pray that this morning you would challenge us. Give us something that we can Nugget of truth we can hang on to this week we pray in your son's name amen have a seat and encourage you to keep your <clears throat> note page out there and jot down some notes and again pick up that study guide as we go through this but four helps uh, to experience revival in overcoming obstacles the first to revive through overcoming obstacles is to identify bullies or buddies so let's look at, at nehemiah chapter four hopefully you've got your bible <clears throat> open there and uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, let me begin this story. Now, you, you know the story of Nehemiah. Those of you who haven't been with us, uh, <clears throat> Israel, a nation, had uh, been thrown into exile in Babylon. They had taken the nation and just thrown them into slavery and they had broken down the walls of Jerusalem. And the Holy Land was very connected to their relationship with God. And and so to identify with God and to get back, the exile was over. They were able to go down there but the walls were broken down in Jerusalem and just there was a sense of, ah, we don't have that connection with God. And so to build a city up as a reminder that God is with them, they began to uh, send people back into the city and Ezra did that first and the walls were kind of built, but now Nehemiah, who was then a cupbearer of the king, um, just a servant of a, of a, of a king, Artaxerxes, and uh, he heard about this and he wept and he prayed and, and God gave him a, a victory to go back and to help build the wall. And so he's beginning to build the wall and we learned last week that you know anybody can be involved in God's work, <clears throat> just pick up a trowel and begin to start doing it. Uh, some of you have got some skills We'll use those skills in God's work But yet uh, you know, Nehemiah didn't have A whole lot of skills in building He was a cupbearer to the king Some say he might have been a chef Like uh, uh, Ron talked about last week But, but he used those talents he, His organization ability to be able to organize the, the children of Israel to build this wall And they're, and they're working <clears throat> And they're doing a great job And then these things happen Chapter 4 verse 1 Now when Sanballat Heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. He said, in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, (laughs) What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish, the burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, (laughs) Yes what they are building, if if a fox goes on it, it'll break it down right away. (laughs) Uh, The wall would be so feeble that a slight fox that just jumps on it, it'll break. Sanballat, uh, speaking of him first, was not a buddy, uh, but a bully who felt threatened by this project, knowing his authority and influence would diminish, and so he intimidated through a campaign of ridicule and mocking and jeering and deriding, and you see that in the questions that he's asking here, he mocked their obvious hurt. Here's Israel, <clears throat> a little insecure. <clears throat> they aren't protected in any way. They're just kind of out there to, to the elements and any army that would want to come take them by. And so they're and they're already feeling dejected, wondering about even if God is with them. And <clears throat> and Sandballot mocks their obvious hurt to to debilitate them. See, that's what buddies do. They they mock and they hurt. They They kind of push that button you know is the pain in you. And they ridicule. He ridiculed their ability and feasibility to instill in them doubt. Oh, you really can't. Come on. You can't build this wall. Who do you think you are? Boy, those... Thoughts of doubt Don't they flow into our mind When we begin to do something And, and somebody will come along And say something And oh it just like cuts like a knife Right into us And it's, it pushes on that That bruise of our life And they ridicule us And it instills a little doubt And, and he scoffed He scoffed at this uh, feeble attempt To honor God To cause them to question even God and that's what a bully does. A bully doesn't pull you towards God. A bully pushes you away from God. A bully doesn't seek to help or to correct in love or restore or participate, nor do they follow God's will in any way. A bully takes a, takes a hand grenade of, uh, of hurtful words and sees what happens. But a friend sticks closer than a brother. And Tobiah, he was no friend either. He was actually worse because he had ties to Jewish nobility. And if you read in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, um, he actually knew some of the noble people and he was seeking to turn the people in Jerusalem away from Nehemiah and towards himself. And, and so he wrote letters. And as Nehemiah chapter 6 talks about is that uh, he copied, uh, Tobiah copied Nehemiah on those letters, hoping to instill fear into Nehemiah. Yeah, that's what bullies do. They try to instill fear in you. Actually, the Bible's really good at helping us identify bullies. And in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 19, there are six identifiers of bullies, not buddies, they're, they're bullies, and, and listen to them. <clears throat> there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are abomination to them. Here's a list of buddies, uh, bullies. Haughty eyes. In other words, they're proud. They only think of themselves. Listen to what they talk. They talk a lot about themselves. I, me, my. Uh, they say that a lot. A lying tongue. They twist the truth and they don't say the truth. Hands that shed innocent blood. See, they don't care who they hurt to get themselves to where they want to be. And a heart that devises wicked plans, they're always scheming Feet that make haste to run to evil. They're looking for not what's God's will, but what's their will. A false witness that breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. See, Sandballot and Tobiah were typical bullies. And we are to see them and call them what they are, to identify them. And to realize that's not someone I want to really spend time with. What I need to spend time with is a buddy. A good friend who, as Romans 12.10 says, loves one another with brotherly affection and outdoes one another, showing honor, but also will help us and guide us, as Proverbs 12.26 says, or, or will, will love us enough to do a little iron sharpening, as Proverbs 27.17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And you can look up those Proverbs later on, get the study guide and, and look, look at those, but those are characteristics Of a buddy. Here's another one. It's just in a concise place in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Listen to how a a buddy relates to us and and what they do. Not only to understand and identify who are our really friends, our true friends, but how we can be a friend to others. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Here it is compassion, kindness, humility. Meekness, that's power under control. In other words, they understand their position maybe of power, but, they, but they're humble enough to say, no, I'm not going to exercise my power in that way. I'm going to be a meek person and patient, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's a buddy. (laughs) That's the kind of people we need to align ourselves to, uh, to push away the the bullies that are in our life. And we need to see the difference. Man, that person is not being the buddy that I need. Yes, confront. It doesn't mean that you'll never be confronted on an issue, but they are wounds of a friend, as Proverbs 27, verse 6 says. He bullies mock. They love unrest, are self-serving. They're manipulative. They lie used by the enemy to destroy. They are confusing. And they are the ones who only have the answer. There's no real love there. They hand out fear and want us to be scared. Uh, those that are buddy uh, bullies in the church say the church is gonna fall. It's just kind of remarkable because the church is called in the Bible Christ's bride. I don't know if I wanna say that about Christ's bride to God. <laughs> And they get nasty and, and, and nasty personally and attack character. And their motive is to intimidate or destroy or to call our actions the work of the devil. And that's what happened to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Those letters that, that Tobiah wrote began to attack Nehemiah's very character, even saying that what he was doing was trying to usurp King Artaxerxes. And that kind of made Nehemiah a little nervous because he knew how tenuous Artaxerxes was. And that was a real threat to him. But it wasn't true, it was a lie. And Nehemiah was under attack, and they even wanted to kill him. See, if there's no love or kindness and lots of confusion and intimidation where you feel less, it's most likely a bully. And to be revived through opposition is to identify that bully and realize there are no buddies and seek out some buddies to spend some time with. And next, to pray for God's will. Look on in Nehemiah chapter 4 now to, <clears throat> to verse 4. When uh, Sanballat and Tobiah say their thing, the first thing Nehemiah does is he always does. Here, O oh our God. He goes right to prayer. If you even look at all the different uh, uh, characters of the Bible, one of the first things they do when they face opposition is go to prayer. But listen to his prayer. This is an interesting one. Hear, O oh, oh God, uh, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their heads and give them up to the plunder in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have revoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. You're going, wow. (laughs) Nehemiah is praying some big, heavy vengeance on them. It sounds like that, yet what Nehemiah is praying here is he knows that this project is of God. And his prayer is for God's will to be accomplished. And these bullies are thwarting the very plans of God, a very serious offense. Most every biblical leader has faced this. As a matter of fact, write down this one story. It's a great story. It's in Numbers chapter 16. It's a story of, of Korah, who, uh, who uh, uh, dealt with Moses. Uh, Moses was bringing Israel, this is far bef- uh, way before the exile, he was bringing them out of the land of Egypt, and as he's bringing him out of the land of Egypt, they followed him through the Red Sea. And we sang about that as they parted the waters they came through. And they began to wander in the wilderness. And Moses set up all these different organizations. And, and there began to arise opposition. Actually, it came from one person. His name was Korah. Korah didn't like the fact that Moses was getting all the attention now. They were always talking about Moses this, Moses that. Oh, let's go talk to Moses. And he was so upset about that that attention was taken off of him. And so he began to, to uh, uh, manipulate and to move and to create a faction. So large was it was 250 families that he had brought to him. And, and he began to, to uh, confront Moses saying, what are you talking about? We can go straight to God. We don't need to go through you. And, and began to talk that Moses was not of God. Saying, you're not of God, Moses. What you're doing is not right. You're self-serving. You want all the glory. And what did Moses do? The very first thing he did was he fell flat on his face before God. He said, God, if there is any truth in this, search my heart. Know me. And they set up a test. They brought everybody to the tent of meeting where God was at that point and and you got to read the story to see what happens. <laughs> Let me just say it is earth-shaking. So read the story. That's a little teaser for you. Because it doesn't fare very well for Korah and the 250 others. They find a very deep uh, solution to their problem. That's another hint for you. But, but the key is it, it, it's not the test or the vindication that Moses or Nehemiah or that Daniel or David or others See, they first humbled themselves to God, seeking his will for them individually and then for those that they were leading. And Nehemiah's prayer was not emanating from hatred or revenge, but a zeal for God's glory as his will was accomplished. Verse 6, so we built the wall. They didn't go, oh, my gosh, what are you going to do? And they're running around, you know. They just went back to work. We built the wall, and the wall was joined together half its heights. for the people had a mind to work. They had a mind to get about God's purpose. They had solidified in their mind what God's vision was for that city, and they went about it. We are to know what God's will is. That's why it's important to know. They had that vision of the wall and we need to know God's vision. And it's clear in scripture. It's really easy. There's three things about God's will. First of all, to love God and to love our neighbors. That's what Matthew 22 talks about. And then to love each other. It's very simple what God's will is. And for us as a church, we look at that as to uh, uh, do what we can to live in love like Jesus as we compassionately relate to our community and beyond so all will thrive as followers of Christ. And So we're to walk through the difficulties of being kind and wise and loving, for as we do, as 1 Peter 3:14 says, and you can look it up later, that we are to be blessed for it and to have no fear, to, just like Israel was here, to get about the work. And as 1 Peter 4:19 says that we are to trust God and to continue to do good, even in the, the midst of these bullies ramping on to us all kinds of accusations. We're not to stop, we're to keep moving. But it's not God's will to repay evil with evil or hurt with hurt. 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. It doesn't mean that we turn all codependent where we continue to be victimized or vindicated. It doesn't mean we stay in that but we speak the truth in love, calling their actions hurtful and their issues difficult. We don't just just push them aside either. Well, it was God's will. You know, it's not God's will for difficult things to happen in life. That's not God's will. Yes, there are trials, and yes, there are issues that we go through, but it's not God's will Many of the times for some of the difficulties we face and we need to grieve those and let them soak in. Yes, it's awful. Ah, it's frustrating. It's hurtful. And to be honest with those feelings, it's okay to feel dejected and and frustrated and and, and, uh, I, I don't understand. But grieve that and continue on. Get about the work that God has for you. We are to to not grow tired of doing good, as Galatians 6, 9 says it, but to be fearless and to follow after God's will and way. That's how we revive through overcoming opposition. Pray for and to be about God's will. As we follow after God's will and we pray, we're to remain fearless and shrewd. Let's move on in Nehemiah's uh, Story here, verse 7 to 13. But then Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward. Their plans weren't working and that the breaches were being closed. They were very angry. Verse 8, and they all plotted together. Here again, these bullies began to plotting together, you know, scheming around. And came to fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion in it. And that's what bullies do. It's confusing. And if you're with somebody and it's always confusing, chances are they're trying to bully you around and be careful. But remain fearless and shrewd. Verse 10. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to build the wall. You see that now they began to whisper and gossip and the gossip spread. Oh, maybe we really can't do this. And the doubt began to roll and and it began to to thunder up among the people and and the intimidation was continuing on. Verse 11, and, and our enemies said, they will not know or see until we come among them to kill them and stop their work. And at that time, the Jews who lived near with them came from all of the countries and said to them ten times, you must return to us. And they are stopped the work and get out of there. And the the tension was mounting and and things were happening and and they said, come on, get out of there. And so they slunk back in fear and defeated and stopped the work because it was too tough and God was not making it easy. But that's not what it says here. (laughs) It says in verse 13, look at this, and so in the lowest parts of the wall, lowest parts of the spaces between the wall and the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. See, they continued to move forward. They did not slink back. They were prepared for battle and so should we. See, when when opposition hits and it will, we are to be about God's will and way and remain fearless. And yes, be shrewd, Be sharp, be smart, be wise, protect yourself, get help, be connected, be unified. See, one of the enemy's tactics is to separate you, uh, to, to, to create isolation and to create disunity. And that's why we encourage here to get involved in a group, be involved in a life group so people know you. Uh, Get involved in Celebrate Recovery so you can walk through some of the issues that you're dealing with because we all have issues. We all have hurts. We all have (laughs) hang-ups. And we all have habits we need to deal with. And that's why we have divorce recovery and grief share and cancer companions and hurting moms, mending hearts, these groups to band together to help. One of the things that is the most difficult thing is when I see, as a pastor, I see someone hurting, and I try to encourage them get in, get involved with some groups and and be involved. It's, no, I just don't want to do that, and I know it's hard, but that's why it's important for you to connect with others so that you're not alone. Because the enemy isolates, and then he can just pounce. Now, the killer to unity is a is a deep that deep sin of I want it my way. Yet, what we are. To constantly seek is Jesus' way. Remember he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? We are to seek his way, his will. So though there is opposition, we need to get on our task that God has for you. And I don't know what your specific task is, but there's all kinds to be involved in around the church and in our community. There's uh, helping in our office, there's serving in our family ministry with our children and and students, there's serving in our worship ministry and getting involved in the Holy Grill or, or Lincoln Avenue ministry and in your local schools and volunteering in the, uh, in the uh, different city uh, boys and girls clubs or the senior center and kids classrooms or in sports teams. And the ideas are supposed to be involved in a team. If you notice that, that uh, Nehemiah put the people in their clans, he, he got them connected with other people so there was interactive relationships and they weren't alone. You're part of a team. That's a discerning, shrewd move. See, opposition is going to come and we're to face it fearlessly and with wisdom. And we're to stand courageous in the Lord. Let's look at this last section here. Nehemiah speaking, it says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, and your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard this, Nehemiah saying that it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plans. We all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day, half of my service worked on the construction, and half held spears, and shields, and bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, and who were building on the wall and those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each of them labored on their work with one hand held in the weapon and the other uh, and the other was held working. Each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side while he built and the man who sounded the trumpet stood beside me when I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and widespread and, and we are separated on the wall from one another in that place that you hear the sound of the trumpet Rally us all there and our God will fight for us. So we all labored and worked and half of them held spears from daybreak until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time let every man and his servants pass the night within Jerusalem. They were living outside at the time. Come into Jerusalem that they may guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers or my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me. None of us took off their clothes and there's not that they were doing naked, going naked, okay? So they, they didn't change their clothes. They just stayed in their work clothes and they kept his weapon at their right hand. I love verse 14. It says, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord your God who is great and awesome and he said fight. That we're to stand courageous, trusting in God and fight on for God's will and way. The question is, are we here? What really are we fighting for is the question. Are we tapped into God's cause to seeing people come to know him and to grow in faith? Nehemiah and God's people were were fighting not just for a wall, but for identification and connection with God. And God's will and way are always worth fighting for. So willing were they, they worked on courageously despite the opposition. And so should we. We should press on, not give up, put forth the effort, not seek ease. You see, we have this unfortunate thought that when we're in the midst of God's will, that everything all of a sudden should be birds chirping, the sun shining, and we should be, you know, sitting down sipping lemonade. (laughs) It's not that way. We need to work on with, with the sword strapped to our sides and are our, dirtying ourselves with the work of God and putting a little sweat on our brow to do what God would want for us. And in that, we need to take courage. We need to forge forward and not retreat. I love Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? This is Joshua who's heading into the promised land. He's, and you know he's going to face all kinds of giants of problems. And, and, and yet, God says to him, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. (laughs) For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you believe God is with you? Do you believe God is with you? Do you really believe God is with you? Then, whatever you face, no matter what opposition you face, whether it's cancer or whether it's loss of a job or whether it's struggle with your family or whatever it is, God is with you. And if the God of heaven, who created all that we see, has all the power in the palm of his hand and more, can handle anything, could part the Red Sea, could cause the sun to stand still, could raise the dead. If he can do that, can he help you? So why be afraid? There's not a single bully out there that has more power than the power of God. Put them in their place. They're just a bug. That's what they do. Don't they bug you? Yeah, get out of here. But God is with you wherever you go. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these? If God is for us, who can be against us? In verse 20, back in our text in Nehemiah, our God will fight for us it's not that we sit back and do nothing but as we fight god will miraculously work in the face of opposition we are to be courageous yes it's tough to face the things that we do but no we are a child of god sure grieve process your feelings but stand up and take courage Fight the good fight. That's how we experience revival in the face of opposition. Now I don't know what your obstacles you are face, what bullies you're battling, what problems, difficulties, or hindrances or impediments you are dealing with, but just like Nehemiah and God's people, identify those bullies and the buddies, hang with the buddies, pray for God's will, remain fearless and shrewd, stand courageous in the Lord. That's what Jesus did. You can go right straight through this. Jesus identified the bullies, the Pharisees, the buddies, most of his disciples. Really, John was the one who stayed right by him most, but he even denied him at one point. Pray for God's will. You know that scene in the garden. Not my will, Jesus said, but God, your will. Remain fearless and shrewd. He didn't always appear in public because he knew people were out to get him, but he stood fearless and he stood courageous as he went to the cross for each one of us. Nehemiah's story is a foreshadow of Jesus. And when we seek to be like him, revival happens, for we shall overcome. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, or that we shall overcome. These issues that we face, the struggles that we deal with, the obstacles that we go through, Lord, we know that we can overcome. Help us to stand firm and courageous in you. Help us to put those obstacles in their place. They're just obstacles. And you will help us overcome. Challenge us with this, Lord, because I know that some of us sit here in great fear. Lord, help us remember that you're with us. Pray this in your son's name.